0: This is Film Center, your number one show for real entertainment industry news. No fluff, all facts. Now, here are your anchors, Derek Johnson II and Nicholas Killian. Hey everyone, welcome to Film Center. My name is Derek Johnson second, and this is your number one place for studio news. And I'm here with...
1: This is Kenny from Madness Company.
0: Madness and Company. We are here live at the Comic-Con, L.A. Comic-Con. If you're listening to this, probably L.A. Comic-Con might have passed by. However, you can still check out Madness and Company and everything that's really great about them on their website and any other socials that they may have. Let's just get right into it. I'm here with the artist and owner, yep. right? you have a very interesting setup here it's just half hip-hop it. half kabuki style things that's going on
1: tell a, a little a little bit about yourself first cool 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 hey my name's kenny i'm from madness company madness company is a merchandise and apparel brand started by my wife and i dynamic duo kenny and indy you'll see it on a lot of our shirts and our products you'll see a little signature there but uh, overall Madison company is a way for us to do business together while also being able to develop myself as an artist and just see how far we can see how far we can take um, the brand.
0: So, I mean, there's a lot of people who listen to the show are either industry professionals or they want to get into the industry, and we focus mainly on movies and television. Yeah, movies, television, entertainment industry. However, in this industry, it's very difficult, especially as someone who runs a business to use do with family members. In the entertainment industry there's a whole bunch of controversies between people who are trying to work together but are also married you know what i'm saying can you tell us a little bit about that dynamic and how this really came to be about was it inspired inspired by youtube or
1: so i definitely seen a lot of brands recently blowing up where it's a lot of two-man teams sometimes it's just a guy and his brother might be a guy and his best friend might be two two women a mother and a daughter however i realized that it can be done by two people throughout college. I can say my wife's been running events for a very long time. She's very business oriented and as far as visuals and just from the creative side there aren't really many things that I see that I can't make. So having both of those fields covered we were like hey let's see what how it will work if we were to go into business together. I would say one of the best things we did though is instead of cutting ties with all of our jobs and ending everything that we're doing professionally we decided to do this on the side starting out. By doing that you take away the pressure of oh, this has to work or, oh, we have to make money. It's all about any money that's made goes back into the business and then we re-strategize. It's just the only thing you're really sacrificing at that point is man hours. There's no real money. There's no yeah. real pressure that really yeah. can make the business less fun. So at that point, it's just let's see if we can solve this puzzle. If we solve it, boom, we've done it. It's a success. So
0: we're recording here at Comic-Con because indie creators are taking over like a <laughs> larger and larger portion of the industry. Yeah. I've said this on the radio show before where I have this prediction that basically studios will be replaced by indie people. Yeah, just in general that. because they can get closer with their fan base and things like that. Do you find that it's difficult to grow a fan base against? Because you're here in LA Comic Con, yeah. it's no small feat. I'm saying Do you find <laughs> it, Did you find it difficult to grow to this size? Like, how long have you been doing
1: this? So I think it's been a steady rate. So we've been doing this. What it's. This would be, September would be year five for us. We started this in 2018. And if you're ever on our page, you can follow us at Madness & Co., but you'll be able to see the process of how we've grown from selling out of a bar, in the back of a bar, to selling a couple shirts, to getting to this point. And I think the way we did that was by creating, instead of me making a comic and trying to sell you on a comic, we created really rad shirts, really rad characters, and people wanted to know more about those characters, and then we continued to flesh. So you, your strategy
0: was merchandise, first yes and to express interest into the story exactly it's interesting because on this show we've also previously talked about transmedia Mm -hmm. which you have one major story that gets into different mediums and transfer from all this different stuff and you're one of the first ones that i've seen or heard of where you say i'm going to start with the merch first yeah where did
1: that you're not from los angeles no from from atlanta originally
0: from Atlanta originally. Was there anything So you're from Atlanta, grew up there? Uh, actually,
1: I'm, I grew up from Cincinnati. Uh, we actually moved to Atlanta, I would say, about seven years ago. One of the best decisions I've made.
0: So was
1: there anything that when you were younger that made you say, oh, this is what I'm really into? Oh, yeah, definitely. The entire premise of Madness and Company is an amalgamation of everything I grew up with. And that's anything from movies to cartoons to comic books. It's all clustered in there to music. It's all in there together. And you'll see a lot of the Easter eggs pushed out through our different items. I would definitely say that, yes, we started with merch first, but I would say an even better description that would be, we started with characters first. I know everybody, when you're in the back of class, oh, this is my character that I made, he's got chainsaw arms, whatever. Whatever you wanted your character to be like, that's what we started with. We built the world around them. And then once I had that archetype, I could then flesh out the story and really tell, okay, this is what I want this character to be. I'm able to go deeper now.
0: It's such an interesting tactic because you, knew you a lot of indie creators are doing something with the Billy Joel Studios are doing on a, a lower level. Yeah, and by lower I don't mean quality wise, but right. just in size.
1: Yeah,
0: and Small it's scale, interesting yeah. because, you know, and even with this radio show, we started originally with just straight up audio. Mm, gotcha. Before we started moving to other things, before we started doing TV. Now I personally have a background in and working with studios and mm-hmm. like movies and television, mm-hmm. but this whole film center thing we started off just purely audio and you started off with merch it's amazing to hear someone saying okay I'm going to start with because usually merch is the end goal for a lot of people but that was your starting point (laughs) did you have any like inspirations to do it that way or was it like I just want to do something different.
1: There was a mixed bag that was, I'm a graphic designer full-time. I've worked with Apple, I've worked for CNN, i worked for a lot of larger companies. However, through those, I never had full autonomy of the design direction, nor was I able to figure out what my specific art style was. There were two fronts that I wanted done through Madison Company. I wanted to create really cool items that me as a kid would have loved to have, while at the same time having a vehicle that I could put these characters and put these ideas on mm. on a garment for. So mm. as an artist, it's something crazy being able to sell a high quality product and then also see people wear your drawings at the same time. Yeah, it's probably really cool. Yeah, it? it's really it's surreal almost. It's really surreal.
0: Yeah. <laughs> What's interesting is that a lot of a lot of successful professionals like yourself, they always start off getting the experience First, if you're listening to the show and you, you listen to a show, a lot of people that we interview before they break off on their own, they have experience doing other things. Like I started off writing for T V and T V and movies. Oh no kidding. Prior to branching out on my own and doing my own thing. Gotcha. What was it like say, okay, I'm gonna step take a step uh, you know into this more indie creative mode was it cuz you're handling two things at once mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who are probably industry professionals <laughs> a lot more and more industry professionals are breaking off into their own stuff when was the moment you were like okay you know what I'm going to just move Farther and further into my own thing, and kind of leave this other
1: making stuff other people behind. I think there was a time where you know every artist wants to work for a bigger company. Maybe you want to work for Cartoon Network, or maybe you want to work for Marvel Studios, uh, and you learn to draw those characters. You learn the different art styles that mimic to show that you can keep up with their artists that currently you know currently are employed there. But through that, after a while, I realized that there are so many people trying to do that, but. I can create my own characters, have full autonomy, have full direction of these stories, and that further solidifies the decision of being like, okay, if I'm gonna step away from Apple and CNN, if I'm gonna step away from these bigger industries in graphic design, it only makes sense for me to create these unique stories that are fully my own.
0: Do you think that that gave you a good level of training? Because I try to tell a lot of people, you can start off indie, there's nothing wrong with starting off indie. But when you work for these bigger companies, there's like a level of discipline, there's a higher level of scrutiny. You know what I'm saying? I remember getting notes upon notes and being like, oh my gosh, I just wish they would just accept what I do. But now looking back at it, I'm like, okay, this was showing me how to get to that professional level. Showing me that my first draft is probably can still be better. Yeah. I'm saying. Do you think that discipline is something you take into your uh, business today?
1: Yeah, I can definitely say that. I think I haven't even thought about it that way. I, um... Working those industries, obviously, you have to be polished. You have to make sure that you have all your P's, P's and Q's uh, set up properly. But as far as them helping train me to better myself as an artist, yeah, I can definitely say that. I think I have a much stricter level of quality that I adhere to as a
0: Have you been drawing, like, your whole life? or?
1: Oh, man, so that's a great question. <laughs> so what actually got me into drawings was third grade, Kenny, couldn't draw a dragon to save his life. Had a whole meltdown, end up leaving, and then I end up just practicing and practicing all day to yeah. draw like the artists and the art and the cartoons that I'm seeing on TV so I could get to that point. And I would definitely recommend that to all artists. There's nothing wrong with learning what makes the things that inspire you good. Practice those line works. Your natural subconscious is gonna deviate from it and you're gonna figure out your own style. But there's nothing wrong with learning from what's already working, you what's see, already did, popular. If you
0: guys are listening, he's talking a lot about learning from the professional.
1: Yeah, right. Big time. <clears throat>
0: There is a as a thought process, at least when I was in school, mm-hmm. given to me by Kevin Mack, who's done some stuff with Marvel and all yeah, my yeah, yeah. and he was teaching me how to write. He was saying that whatever you want to learn how to do, the training is out there. You just see your who you look up to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Whoever you look up to, try not to copy per se, yeah. but understand what they're doing and their process and how their designs look. And that's your training program. Yeah,
1: that's 100%. There's so much information that artists are putting out there nowadays. If you can see a speed drawing of an artist, there's so much you can learn of seeing well, their time Well, when we were process. younger, you couldn't see it on YouTube. You didn't have that. So <laughs> when back we then, were younger, You're, just, you're we going through that. the comics and the pages and watching the movies <laughs> yeah. to develop your own notes. Probably but. putting
0: the, the white piece of paper over the yeah. magazine yeah. so you can trace it. And yeah, when, they like. the,
1: when they had the light boxes and you could see through the paper, you're like, oh, oh this my is gosh. technology. Yeah, <laughs> you thought it was living in the future. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know what's really interesting is, especially this whole weekend we're really pushing that talk to a lot of different indie indie creators yeah and something that i'm always comparing this the indie side mm-hmm. to and i say indie with heaven quote heavy quotation marks because a lot of indie people mm-hmm. a lot of studio people leave to go indie and then they go right back in the studio yeah. as soon as they're bigger but there's a difference between how they market themselves you know what yeah. i'm saying with you with studios and with you with indie you have this ability to say either i'm going to make what i don't see yeah. we're going to make towards market. Studio's always making towards market. Do you find yourself, because you used to work uh, for larger companies, do you find yourself often making more things that you want to see? Like you said earlier, like mm-hmm. what I want to see when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Or do you see yourself like, oh, you know what, this is selling more. This type of design is selling more. Maybe I should make more stuff like this for market.
1: So I think there's an amazing balance that has to happen there. As an artist, you know, you're going to create your own designs. And when people rock with it, you get locked into being like, okay, I have good taste. And you do. As an artist, you're going to have a unique taste. If you want to make a country style fighting game that's uniquely you and if people rock with it no one else can take that away from you however as i'm creating these designs and as i'm creating these layouts I, we're developing fans we're developing a community and they love the same things that's why they rock with it so i have to also respect their point of view a lot of times where they're like hey we'd love to see this, in How this do you f- color. i find
0: that balance because oh, for every creator yeah. is different
1: yeah i would say definitely talking with them a lot of times we'll have a shirt where you know a design where it's almost done but there's that last bit of decision making we can't quite figure out and we'll throw it to the community and a lot of times they're like oh this will be a great idea and they, they have feedback. There's mm. also artists in our community and talking mm. with them helps push the brand overall you know, into that next direction. I've already done the groundwork as an artist to have my characters out there and, and keep pushing their stories but when it comes to creating like really great renditions of the art and merchandise the community definitely helps along the way.
0: You have a very unique art style.
1: Yeah. There's an issue
0: right now that a lot of big studio productions are looking the exact same, kind of. Yeah. Some people are calling it the Disney effect. Oh, man. So yeah. So, where the 3D animation looks like the same. <laughs> but if you look back in the early thousands, like when we were younger, Yeah. They this, this stuff looked different. They were still doing 2D animation. Yeah. Treasure Planet was a thing. Journey to Atlantis was a thing. And then they cut it all off to focus more on
1: 3D animation. Yeah, because it was easier to pump it out.
0: But now, even DreamWorks is trying to... There's a lot of people who work at DreamWorks who came from Disney, obviously. True. Right. Yeah. They left with uh, Steven Spielberg when he decided to to make uh, DreamWorks. Yeah. But now we're in this zone where it seems like the artists aren't allowed to really express themselves artistically. Man. And instead, they're just trying to do what works. And it's amazing to see something like the animated Spider-Man movies. Yeah. Where they decide to break out and do something different and unique. And for some reason, the studios are flabbergasted by this. Why do you think they're pushing this standard animation? Because you have a very unique style.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So why do you think they're pushing this standard animation instead of breaking out into styles like maybe like your own? I think this highlights how important designers and creatives are. I think we're able to see and we're able to create things that are unique and and are loved by the people. However, without creatives, a lot of people are just going to look at the numbers of what works. If I see that inside-out style works, I'm just going to create the same thing that looks like inside-out. There'd be no reason for me to think beyond that. However, when you give it to the artist, you end up with stuff like the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. The the artist had a full field day with that. They had as much fun as they wanted. They gave its own flavor, its own vibe, and it was absolutely one of the top movies when it came out. It it speaks for itself.
0: What do you think is preventing those studios from being more encouraging about unique art?
1: I think right now, all the studios fell into kind of the, all right, let's only use what works. But now that the studios are starting to see, okay, letting the artists work is starting to work. I think we're going to start seeing more studios actually do that. I think there's a transition starting where it's, oh, Spider-Man worked. What if we let them do it again? Oh, Ninja Turtles worked. Oh, what if we let them do it again? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to happen where the decision-making is less cookie cutter and now let the artists go crazy. But I do think... If the artists go too wild, there's going to be a natural balance where the studios are like, this movie kind of flopped. let's go with what works and let's find that balance between culling the artist while at the same time allowing that bit of freedom. I think it's a, a spectrum. So
0: there's this in entertainment. Yeah. There's a renaissance about every 20 years. You know, there people always talk about the movies from the 50s, the big like epics and stuff yeah, like that, like yeah. Ben-Hur and stuff. Then... People don't really talk about the 60s too much because there's overshadowed, and the, and the 80s too much because it's overshadowed by the 70s. Yeah. Star Wars, Jaws, Indiana Jones, you have The Godfather, 70s was going crazy, right? People were trying you to have, get back to that, yeah. Yeah, and then you have another renaissance in the 90s, right? Yes. Quentin Tarantino was one of the big leaders in that, you know what I'm saying? And then what's interesting is that the next quote-unquote renaissance started with, you know, the superhero so really yeah. big was blown up with Spider-Man, mm-hmm. but... Around 2010, Iron Man was the quote-unquote first start with the 2008,
1: quote-unquote. But Blade was really there before, that's what I'm saying,
0: right? Happened in 2010s. And now, it seems now in 2023, we might be on the cups of another revolution. Now, do you feel like the same way or
1: no? It's interesting. I think we saw a bit of a renaissance with how Marvel completely changed the way that cinematic universes work. I think a lot of movies also started to play with that like Glass for example and that was yeah. its own start. they started to make it a universe of that and seeing these movies and these series actually talk I think we're seeing people experiment and maybe it isn't as far as to say it's a renaissance maybe an arc within an era but yeah. I do think people are trying to develop a new way to provide entertainment that we may have not seen before. I've never seen TV shows be connected to multiple movies, be connected to yeah. all that pushes the cognitive, all the lore together. Mm-hmm. That's something new. Now, is that a renaissance? Maybe not, but I do think it it will be the start of future renditions and how we push entertainment. Yeah.
0: As a professional artist yourself. What do you see, like, when do you see something on a TV that, I, or, or movie that actually catches your interest artistically? Because, like I said, there's a kind of, there's a huge consensus right now, especially with a lot of fans, that things are looking the same, you know? Um, how do you see something, how do you, how do you look at something on the television or, or movies and you're like, okay, this is something that's unique and I, that's connecting with me personally? Because you're also a professional artist. Yeah. So the way you're looking at images, yeah. the way other people look at images differently, like for myself, being mostly a writer director and doing really a, a lot of writing, mm-hmm. I'm always like, I still like I can turn it off. You know, what I'm, yeah. I'm always thinking about the story. Yeah, right? but because the consensus right now is about art, and there's a huge concern about unique art. You know, what I'm saying how do you, how do you think? Oh, okay, I think that this is something that I could take away from.
1: Okay, are you thinking from a live action or more like an animated standpoint? E- e- either one, mm-hmm. e- either one, because oh.
0: uh, you seem to have a lot of references in your art.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think it. Like you said, it's hard to turn it off, and you never really can see past the kind of anal- analyzing standpoint whenever you're watching something, yeah, but I, yeah. I'll, say, I'll say I'm always pulling it in, so I would say the most, most example right now would be Bullet Train. I just okay. saw Bullet Train not too okay. long ago, yeah. and seeing the storytelling, at first I thought it was a Quentin Tarantino film by how it was yeah. written, <laughs> but I love that movies are starting to become aware of of their tropes, of their uh, different stereotypes that are in there, of the way they tell their stories. Mm -hmm. But they double down in that, and they don't always do it from a comical standpoint, but they dive deeper into the, all right, we know how edgy this is, we know how over the top this is, but we're going to make it work Mm -hmm. in this era. For example, during the era where samurai movies were amazing, that was an amazing era. However, now when it comes to movies, the main character of the movie also realizes how absolutely crazy it is to see a samurai in that movie so they'll yeah. comment on that what is happening kind of like here? a little more
0: meta yeah, 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 yeah. no yeah. So it's
1: like it's definitely more meta i think that's the thing mm. seeing how meta things have been in entertainment a lot of these days that's what i'm pulling from well i love that they're things are a lot more aware now and that they're Would you say that, that
0: how do you, how, could you like i say you have a lot of things a lot of references in your art yeah do you have some main inspirations
1: oh yeah i would say man that's a that's a great so obviously anime a lot of the classic anime, Dragon Ball Z, Mazinger, pulling from a lot of those sources, but in the way that I pull from them isn't just like, oh, I want my guy to be a giant robot. It's more so in things that people don't really see, like in the intro of the anime or in the ways that they set up certain angles, where there might be the protagonist and you'll see the robot silhouette in the background. Those right. were artful ways of highlighting right. big characters or those ways of doing storytelling through music, like all those you know, things. The art reminds me a lot of Samurai Jack. Yeah, exactly. And
0: this is there is this term. That I heard for the first time in my life
1: mm-hmm.
0: here at L- at LA Con. Where they're saying Afro May. Afro May? Afro May. Where I've it's like African American hip hop style, yeah. things like that being combined with anime. Mm-hmm. Almost like, the only thing that I can really think of, like when I think of Afro May, peak Afro May, mm-hmm. it's again have you ever heard of this before?
1: I don't know, I, this is the first I've heard of the term, but yeah, now I, I can see the whole Rolodex of all the yeah. things that will fall into that category. Afro
0: may when I see Afro May, I think of the Boonacks. Yeah. I think of Samurai, Afro Samurai.
1: Cannon Busters.
0: Yeah, Cannon Busters, yeah. stuff like that.
1: Do you see a, a rise in,
0: in Afro, May?
1: I do. I'm seeing a lot because more black a lot artists. Because a lot of to... black
0: artists that we've been talking to have been like, anime is a big inspiration. Why do you yeah. think it's anime that's such a huge inspiration to the African-American culture comparative to
1: others? So this will be an interesting kind of a monologue I'm going to go on. I think monologue I, away. <laughs> I think a lot of African-Americans first experienced anime through Dragon Ball Z, mm. and I think it, it connected with us in ways that we didn't expect at the time, because you'll see a various, very spectrum of, of black people kind of love Dragon Ball Z for different reasons. You'll see Super Hood guys be like, man, I, I, I love Dragon Ball Z, I still rock with Vegeta, yeah. and you'll see super geeks that are like walking around in Goku outfits, right. but it's still for that whole spectrum, and I think there's an underdog story that's been prominent in a lot of early anime that you know may not be as prevalent now, but I think it's still one of the main Crux of anime, and that's the underdog story. It's, mm. And with us being black people and feeling like the underdog, I think yeah. when you see a character persevere constantly, take those hits, train to do his best, it fills you with a hope that you... It can be a little kind of silly, but I do, I do think it fills you with a hope that you didn't realize you needed at that time and you pull from it. So training and seeing characters like Goku, seeing these anime characters work hard, may, might not succeed but continue to push through, it gives us inspiration, and I think... We continue to pull from that. But then after a while, we start to love anime just for what it is. Oh, wow, yeah. this is a creative craft. I still love the underdog story. Mm-hmm. But now these other characters resonate with me, whether because they're super cool or because of the way they navigate life. Yeah. But I think it all started with how we pulled in with our first anime for a lot of people, which is Dragon Ball Z or which is Naruto. Seeing that underdog yes. story.
0: Yeah. It's so incredible because, once again, I've, I haven't heard Afro me until like literally yesterday. This yeah. is December 3rd that we're recording this. December 2nd, 23rd, 23rd, I was like, Afro, May? But it made so much sense as soon as I heard it. You even think about things like Kanye West's Power. Yeah. When it's the whole music video is Akira. Akira, yep. And you hear, and this interesting thing about African-Americans, this quote, and I forget who said it, but basically, to be an African-American is to be a race and a people without a home. Because African-Americans, we can't really relate to Africa. We cannot. We, We haven't been there in generations hundreds and hundreds of years. We're learning and yet, about
1: what would be our own culture in the same way we would learn about any other culture. You know right. what I mean? Like, we yeah. were new to it.
0: And yet, at the same time, we are American. Yeah. But a lot of other American minorities, like Asians or like Hispanics, they can say, oh, I'm from Italy or right. I'm from, yeah. specifically, Guatemala. They have Let's a say, home. say, I'm from Burma. They can, right. like, oh, I'm going to go home to my home country. We don't know where our countries no. are. No, So, there's this possibly stipulation, and you got to let me know if you agree with this, yeah. that it's okay That's a faraway land, and it's not not home to us, but also we connect with that as, okay, you know what? I'm also not American, but I am American.
1: I 100% agree with that, 100% agree with that. I think, I was just talking to another animation studio, the main director that, he's from Nigeria, but he does have a home he's coming from. I think with us being black African-Americans that are born and raised in America, even down to like our last names i don't think my great ancestor's last name was fowler but but i I think not having those original roots it'll it we adapt the roots from different things that resonate with us Mm. i think in the same way that there is this give and take relationship when it comes to black entertainment black culture that we've developed in our our few kind of Mm. decades here in america and the way they're pulling from us and we're pulling from them I think we do resonate with Japan, I think we do resonate with Africa, I do think we do resonate with a lot of different places, but I think we're creating our identity here as a result of what mm. we're seeing and developing from everywhere else. So
0: this is really uh, interesting perspective uh, from Asia that um, one of our previous uh, guests gave us. Mm-hmm. He's from Japan, mm-hmm. and he was talking a lot about how, like when in America, Anime fans will talk about like, Oh the sub versus dub yeah. They have the same arguments About King of the Hill <laughs> Yeah. They have Obviously Japan and baseball Has been well known But mm-hmm. they also really like College football and things like that There's also a trend right now For them to There's a style in which They can like heat and curl their hair To get, yeah, to to get, get the afros text. and yeah. stuff like that And so you're seeing them pull from Specifically African American culture yeah. Not American general Specifically African American culture yeah. And then we're also pulling from them Absolutely And the world's getting more and more Connected um, do you think that this would, like, once again, I heard afro May for the first time, and it feels like something that, it feels like that would be, like, an island somewhere. Like, this yeah. is afro May Island, where it's, like, half half Asian, half black people yeah. are there, right? And since your style, you have, you're obviously pulling from the east a little bit. Yeah. I, would you ever go over, to, so you're going to to somewhere in Asia, where, you, like, give some lectures on like, even like you to show them some of your art.
1: Yeah, we're for actually planning to head to Japan in a, this next year in 2020 uh, for the first oh, time. Oh, if you're
0: listening, you're from Japan. Watch out. Oh. <laughs> They're coming. They're <laughs> about to, they about to go out.
1: <laughs> we're going to come. I think that there's so much, for example, learning learning katakana, learning hiragana, learning kanji, learning how to speak the Japanese language, and navigating that with myself as an American artist, but also wanting to pay respect to Japan in the way. Because I, I would say, okay, Madison Company, our mascot is a lantern. And that that stems from the fact that when I was a kid, I saw a Lantern Festival on TV, had no idea what that was. But after a while, I really started to resonate with Japanese culture. I really loved the way that they would highlight their culture. I I loved the way that they created items. And a lot of our Western highlighted films, whether it be Western cowboy shoot-offs or just samurai handoffs, lightsabers or just... Samurais in space, high (laughs) Rangers are just super sentai. Like, really learning where a lot of the origins of a lot of our Western media borrow from Japan has been really interesting.
0: To see the influences. Even something, especially who was influenced by it. Right. Both Steven Spielberg and Jordan Peele have been putting in bids for years to do a live-action Akira The person to get closest, ironically, is is Kanye West, even though the whole thing is really a reference. Then you have things like, he's not technically only from Japan, he has some Korean background, but Satoshi Mm Kon, who made the movie Paprika, that the American iteration of it is Inception. Yeah. Where some of the shots are are shot for shot. How do you, instead of doing the shot for shot, you're taking those references and making them unique. How do you know, okay, this is the spin I want to put on this?
1: I think you naturally have your own deviations of what you like as an artist. I think that helps me a lot, and one of the things that really has pushed Madness and company as far as it is, I love when there's a collision of cultures. I think that's what a lot of people don't highlight enough. So, For example, when we were younger, we loved martial arts movies, but it wasn't that we were watching the true... Yeah, Wu-Tang, exactly, (laughs) was where I was going to go next, but it wasn't like we were watching the original movies. We were watching bootlegged poorly dubbed VHS, in the barbershop <laughs> Shaw Brothers movies <laughs> yes. but it's like something about the poorly dubbed something about the over the topness but still the action being oriented action oriented kind of uh subject matter all those things resonated and that's what made the culture it wasn't the streamlined high resolution it was the grittiness it was the poorly dubbedness it was the attempt to see in those two cultures collide and I think that's where the love is like same thing with Wu-Tang the hip-hop beats over with the Japanese undertones it's where the there's a medley like a subculture is formed between those two mm-hmm. I think that's what I really love about it like you'll hear us playing boom bap in the back of our ramen shop but at the same time I want to make sure that if I'm going to have the ramen shop vibe there that I get true Cho'Chin lanterns made, that I sew the northern curtains, that I create mm-hmm. the roof tiles, like I'm actually taking the time to do the research, even though I haven't been there, but there's so many references that you can learn from and, and so create much, it so, so that it's the authentic.
0: so much more already available.
1: Yeah, absolutely. If you're going to do it, make it authentic, but don't make it to the point where it's less you, if that makes sense. Yes, yeah. yeah.
0: And something interesting about Wu-Tang, I have, a, I have a friend who's from Shanghai, and also if you watch there's an interview with with Jackie Chan Mm -hmm. where they asked Jackie Chan do you like Wu-Tang? and he's very confused like what is Wu-Tang? what is is that? but Wu-Tang's actually popular in in China but Jackie Chan for some reason didn't understand and then I asked my Chinese friend I was like do you like Wu-Tang? and she's she saw the symbol on my chest She's like oh they're awesome I was like oh you like Wu-Tang? and she gave me this very confused look what is Wu-Tang? it's it's the symbol it's what I'm wearing it's actually supposed to be wu Dong. yeah it's supposed yeah. to be wudong and so if they would have said like oh this is wudong it's not wu-tang yeah but it's that mistranslation that then it's okay now it feels like it's for us yeah yeah like the different spin on it it's been great to have you on
1: um where
0: can where can everyone follow you and, and
1: and check you out yeah definitely uh so again we're madness and company you can follow us at www.madnessandcompany.com or you can follow our socials uh so at madness and co so that's at madness and Check us out. Uh, we'd love to have you be part of the community. If you have ideas, definitely shoot it to us. We have a Discord as well. You can hit us through our link tree. It'll be on our, uh, our Instagram. And join the community. If you have art that you're making, hop in there. Let's talk. Let's compare ideas, and let's just let's chat it up.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much. Guys, this has been Film Center, and my name's Derek Johnson II. I'm
1: Kenny, and this is a Madison Company.
0: Yeah, and we'll see you later.
1: This has been Film Center on Comic-Con Radio. Check out our previous episodes at filmcenternews.com.
0: Sign up for our newsletter and get the Hollywood trades straight to you. You can follow the show at Film Center News on all major platforms. Tune in next week for a fresh update. Until next time, this has been
1: Film Center.